Welcome back to the Victory Podcast, episode three of season five. Um, Jody tried to intro it, but we know that he can't intro the podcast. Yeah, you don't want, that you don't want me intro. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what I do with my hands. But anyway, hey, on, <laughs> on this podcast, we're going to talk about some struggles that we're having. So, Jody, what's your struggles? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, we're going to talk about some struggles that we have um, right now in our church, our staff, like what we're dealing with and how you as the listener, watcher can actually help. So so what's one of the, let's just, let's just, no intros, let's just break it down. What's one of the struggles we're having? Wow. I'm well, just getting into it, that's man. That's the best I, way to do it. Like, I, we're going to talk about our struggles <laughs> We're going to talk about our struggles, but opportunities. We're going to talk about our opportunities well, that we have. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, uh, the church has been growing, um, and with growth comes new challenges, you know, kind of every new level has new challenges that come with it, and so uh, the struggles, I guess, we have are just adapting to uh, right to what those what those current challenges are. And um, I mean, we've been talking a lot about uh, connection and community. I mean, it's one of our core values. Yeah. And as the church grows, keeping connection, keeping community becomes yeah. more of a challenge. And so we're just trying to figure out how to um, how to address that, and where people don't fall through the gaps or just Again, I, I don't know. I just don't want a bunch of people showing up and just right. doing a thing and walking out and checking yeah. a box, you know. I mean, uh, I, I just think – I tell people all the time, I tell visitors um, that I, I think connection, relationships, is one of the most um, powerful things in a church. And so uh, you've got to find your tribe there. And and so, uh, in fact, I recommend people to other churches all the time. I tell them, look, here, right. this is us and this is what we do. If you can't find your tribe here, I know some good churches right. I can help you, you know, refer you to in the community, but I, I think everybody needs connection, and that's been a yeah. challenge. And I, I like how we're not talking about physical, um, like physical struggles we're having. Yes, we know the parking lot. I mean, that's a real issue that we're having. Um, we know that it is whenever you drive out the parking lot, sometimes it takes you a little bit to get around because people are all leaving. That's part of growth. Yeah. Um, not seeing a seat even though let me let me get that dog uh, let me put that dog to rest but there are 800 and something seats in the auditorium mm-hmm. most adults we've ever had in there for Easter but other than Easter was 600 so there's plenty of seats just people aren't scooting in and all that well so, we figure it's about 1.5 seat per person <laughs> yeah really yeah they want to move yeah I mean yeah. you don't want I don't want you know yeah. stuffed in there yeah um, anyway. and so yeah there's some there's some physical stuff that we're dealing with but I love how we're not focusing on those things um, we do have plans in place for those things but the more important thing to us is um, I, I've always been a growth guy. I've always like, yeah, let's grow. How can we scale the business and scale the church? And even personally, how can I scale my business? But I found myself over the last couple of months um, not recognizing a lot of people. Yeah. And honestly, the first the first time I really noticed it where it like hurt was the first men's equip class. Hmm. When I walked in there, I think I knew maybe one fourth of the men. Yeah. And then I got convicted. I'm like, how am I supposed to pastor these people if I don't even know their name? Thank God we did the name tags. Yeah. But and that's a real conviction that I have. And then I found myself going, gosh, I wish we were a smaller church. And as soon as I said it, I was like, no, like that's not the part of the kingdom. So we're trying to find ways that we can do what we're doing, have growth, but yet still have that connection to people. So people 
are being pastored. Right. Do you feel that is yeah, the... Yeah, no, definitely. Um, but our equip classes, like you mentioned, I, I so we don't have a, uh, a structured small group ministry at Victory, which makes us pretty unusual because most churches right. have that. And we probably have talked about this on podcasts, the challenges we've had structuring. When you structure a small group ministry, you tend to structure the life out of it. Right. So then we say, okay, let's go organic. And then organic is cool if you can find your way into it. Right. But there's so many who can't find the door or right. find, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And even when people come to us, you know, if it's organically structured, then somebody comes to us and says, hey, I want a small group. Where do I go? And we're just like, I don't know, just go out there and right. roam around and hope you stumble into yeah. one. So because of that, we have not structured a small group ministry. Um, we have these equipped classes. And we teach different subjects, right. right? But what we know as a staff is that the benefit of the class isn't limited to the content that we teach. Mm-hmm. It's that when you get in there and you can meet other people and you can form some relationships, right. um, we can judge spiritual maturity. We're a discipleship church, right? Mm-hmm. And so in those equipped classes, because there's dialogue and because people are talking, you can kind of, you can begin to pick up on spiritual maturity. I'm not... I hope that doesn't sh- shut everybody up, you know? Um, no, no. Like, I oh, I can't talk because they're going to think I'm spiritually immature. No, I got you. But when you hear people talk, you, we can judge right. how well our people are growing. Um, so anyway, equip classes are, are a method that we are using to kind of bring more community, more pastoring, more spiritual growth yeah. uh, type of thing. What I'm, I'm going to try to... I'm trying to break your shell right now. Okay. All right, because... As as pastors, especially, I've never been a lead pastor, so I don't know the pressure that you feel or whatever, but I have, in my position here forever, I've always been the vulnerable, open, honest, because it doesn't rely on me. So I can be. So I can air my grievances, my trash, my struggles out, and it's not like, oh my God, that's the lead pastor. So I'm not asking you to do that. But what's your heart feel whenever you say discipleship church? Judges, like how well we're doing in in reality, not not numbers. We're having we're having the best numbers we've ever had. Not right. talking about numbers. I'm talking about legitimate. Whenever Jesus said, "Go into the world, and make disciples, teaching them to do what I told you," how are we doing? Well, i I think I was honest with this over the last couple of years that we're a discipleship church. Now we got to figure out what that means, okay. right? And so we've been because we know people don't get discipled in sermons, right? People don't get discipled on Sunday mornings, and so we knew we were going to have to, you know, the Lord was going to have to show us what that means, what that looks like for us right. specifically. And uh, for the last what two years, we've been doing these equip classes, yeah. And I think that has moved the needle. Not, mm-hmm. I mean, we're not, we're not killing it, right? But I think that has moved the needle. And so, to me, our equip classes are kind of an experiment mm-hmm. that we're saying, okay, Lord, is this the mechanism that's going to work for us? And so, we've already scheduled all our equip classes for this year. We've right. got all of our staff included. Right. Um, and so... Can I ask you something? Okay. About what you just said. You said, we're not killing it. What would killing it look like? I know, I know this is deep, and I should have probably prepared you for this, but to me, this is open and honest and vulnerable. Yeah. Like, what does killing it look like? Us not teaching them? Or not, having multiple? Not teaching equipped like, classes? Like, us not teaching them, actually teaching people how to teach them, and then 
I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just trying to get a where where are we moving to know that man? Because they are. I, I think they're fruitful. Yeah. I think scalable. Don't know yet. Yeah. Because we have to limit it because right. we want community in those equipped classes. So we can't have 120 people because then it's. Yeah. Now, I mean, honestly, our equipped classes are a small church. Yeah, we we limited it to sixty this time this right. year for the first time. Yeah, and and the men's equipped class we just finished up was mm-hmm. was uh, sold out at yeah. sixty, which was great. Um, and uh, so that that's about I think as big as you can get it, right? And still have the dialogue because what we want is for be able, people to be able to contribute. I don't want it to turn into a lecture mm-hmm. that people just sit and it becomes again another sermon which we know that doesn't disciple people right so asking the questions um, um, and having that dialogue I don't know I mean for the first the first week of the men's equip mm-hmm. class I did um, I asked some like really elementary right. questions that I thought was really cool I did too yeah because I mean we were in the book of Luke and and so I said, turn to Luke, and then we said, okay, but before we get into that, somebody tell me who Luke was. Yeah. You know, I mean, we talked about Luke being a gospel and what a gospel is. Right. You know, uh, we talked about Luke being a physician. We talked mm-hmm. about Luke writing Acts as yeah. well. And so we just went through some very like Sunday school type thing. Right. And I felt really good about that. I mean, I think the the men responded to it. All right. the all the feedback I heard was good. But I, as silly as that sounds, to me, that sounds like discipleship to me. Right. I mean, because a disciple is a learner. So the question is, did you leave here knowing something you did not know? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then we accomplished discipleship. Right. And so, uh, anyway, but I think, you know, me being the lead pastor and kind of the experience I have... It was kind of easier for me. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to see if like Pastor Felix can do that, and Jess can accomplish right. it, and Jade with the worship, you know, because right. they're not they're not as experienced as we are. Right. You know, mm-hmm. they, we they're just not as old as, old as us. So we're gonna I want to kind of see if they can. Yeah, we're, we're kind of coaching them up to to accomplish the same mm-hmm. thing. So I don't know if I answered the question. No, I just as as the lead pastor, I think it's good for us to hear. Um, I know we do. I mean, I know I do because I like bang down your door and ask you these questions. But just for everybody to hear, like what what's your dream when it comes to growth of the church, discipleship? Like what? Do, uh, because yeah, we we talked about our struggles with small group ministry. I mean, I will be the first to tell you, I love small groups. <laughs> I like organic, mm-hmm. but organic. You said all the negatives about the organic, except one is it leaves people out. Mm. Like we, our group was so connected that we were yeah inclusive. Almost become a click. Yeah, we yeah. became a click, and but yet it worked. Yeah, and so we know that that style works. So is the goal? I hate to use the word goal in this, but is the 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 mission? Is it to eventually have a small group ministry? Is it? To have equipped classes going on every Wednesday night, is it? I don't know. I'm just. I'm asking you to dream, which just yeah. to hear some heart yeah. from you. Like, where do you see this going? Well, let me answer that in a in a broad way. You know, because as you start talking about what do I see and stuff, let's start with our services. What I want is um, in the orchard. I want the orchard laying a foundation for those babies, mainly yeah. that Jesus loves them. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. just that it for that age group, ministry yeah. to those. Then they go into Kidmo, and in Kidmo, they're learning more spiritual concepts and laying spiritual foundations, right? Right. 
I want them to I want them to learn to worship in Kidmo mm-hmm. and uh, and Pastor Jess is just so good at that because he's a worship leader and right. and uh, learn how to pray, learn how mm-hmm. to connect with God. Go to um, to the LP and Pastor Felix take them and navigate that teenage season of their life together, yeah. you know. But but again, just laying foundations. Right. I think they need they need the presence of God in LP. They need to experience, learn what that right. feels like to feel His presence. But I don't want to be all presence and no practicality. Yeah. Because at the job site you don't have presence. <laughs> right. Yeah. You either have the word and you right. know what what it is to walk with God in that way. So when I look at, at kind of the way we've structured our our ministry here, I can see that each one plays a part in laying in in, in discipling right. people, right? Yeah. And so uh but then as it moves from there, you know, I, I want to see college students um with a passion for the things of God. I want to send college students out into their careers and wherever they're moving and whatever they're doing, um obviously knowing the Lord. And then this year we're focusing on families so much as people start to get married. Right. I'm on and this in men's equip class, it was such a challenge, especially this last week. I mean, I challenged them that we are called to be the priests of our household yeah. and what does that look like? And uh and you know, the Bible says in Ephesians that that marriage is a great mystery because it's really about Christ and the church. Right. And so marriage is an example. It it when they look at mine and Laurie's marriage, they could they should see they should be able to say, "Wow, that looks like Jesus loving his church and his church yeah. honoring Jesus." Right. And so it was really you know. So I want to see families. I want to see men figuring out what it looks like to be a godly man, a godly yeah. priest, loving his wife well. I want women to know how to honor their husband, still walk in their giftings, and be everything God's called them to be. And that cocoon that you're raising right. kids in, you know? Yeah. So again, I know I'm answering your question no. in a broad way, but I mean, when you say dream, what do you want, Jody? That's what I right. want. And then I want, um, I really want our older people to begin to fulfill the scripture where it is older ladies minister to the younger ladies and begin to train in the older men. Yeah. Because we know that discipleship isn't just about learning, it's about helping someone else learn, right? There's right. two phases to discipleship. And I think right now we're still focused on getting people uh, mature in their own walk. But phase two is after you cover some ground, help somebody else yeah. cover that same ground. Yeah. So I guess if I'm defining discipleship, that's kind of what I see throughout all the age groups and yeah. all the all the things. I mean, my dad, I love that my dad is still engaged in ministry, even though He's he's not on staff at a church anywhere. He doesn't carry a title, but he in his spiritual maturity, reaching back and helping someone else. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm telling you, I I love our our retired folks and our people in their latter years, but we tend to put it in neutral. Yeah, you know, and and we have some of them that serve on teams with us, and I appreciate the fact that they serve on right. teams. But I'm like, don't just serve coffee. You have wisdom. Reach yeah. back. And and help somebody else. So I don't know if I answered your question. No, but. no, that no. I think that's good. It's it's funny our different roles because as soon as you started our orchard, do you know where my mind went? No. So you go orchard, want them to start laying the foundation. I immediately go to, okay, am I equipping Heather to right. equip those? Like so, I go into not structure mode, but like okay. That can't happen unless you have the right teams. Yeah. So now it's a discipleship of those volunteers yeah. to make sure that they are living up to their purpose and being 
So I see the whole gamut. I know you do too. Well, that's where my mind goes. And, you know, we've admitted that that's one of the shortcomings of of victory is getting um, training and stuff down to that third level, you know, so you have the senior pastor role, then you have the staff, and then we have our volunteer team leaders, you know, Mm -hmm. like getting, they can all do their job. Right. But teaching them to do their job with a slant on discipleship. Yes. Like our security team. We know our security team is in shape, but it's like, now take that brotherhood mm-hmm. and begin to mentor men, right. pray together, um, you know, gather, go shoot some guns, and then talk about the things of God and whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, I don't know that we've done well in passing that discipleship model down to that third level of leadership and, and organization. I, and I was going to say this and whenever I preached the other Sunday, but I think the reason why I take congregational members so serious, like, like, hey, it's the pastor's job to equip the saints to go do the work of the ministry. I was discipled not by you or Rick or your dad. Mm-hmm. It was two members of the congregation that took me under the wing, taught me how to read the Bible. Yeah, It was congregational members. It was youth volunteers mm-hmm. that taught me how to do that. And then once they taught me how to do that, then Rick saw mm-hmm. me and go, okay, there is something about this guy. But without the two... Mm-hmm. But without Jason Benoit and Tracy Bogan, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would be who I am now. Mm-hmm. And because they literally, when I wish I could have, I have a photographic memory, so I can see it. Like mm-hmm. I will never forget, we're at a um, the first ever cell group at Victory. And I, I love how we used to test things through the youth first. Do you remember <laughs> right. that? Like everything was like, let's see if it works in the youth. It's and the then, guinea pigs. Yeah. And so, but we had the first ever small group at Tracy's grandma's house. Hmm. And I will never forget, she, like, it was before she told me to get there early. So a bunch of us did. And she was like, all right, y'all lay down right here. And so we all, like, laid down in a circle and we had our heads together with our Bible. Hmm. She's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. Wow. And we're going to do this. Now, next week, come back and I want to see your notes about that. And, like, literally taught me how to study the word. Didn't get wow. into Greek or Hebrew or anything, but just put the word into me. And yeah. she taught me the the um, gigo principle, garbage mm. in, garbage out. Right. You want to stop cussing? Put the word into you and right. stop listening to music. You know, like little things. And I'm like, is there anybody in our congregation doing that? Yeah. So what was it that your dad and you guys put into Jason and Tracy to make them see 14-year-old Brady? Yeah. And am I... That's where I get so hard on myself to go, is anybody doing that for me? And I used to say this to you a lot, like you and Rick both, is I there was there was four of us whenever whenever I was in youth ministry and serving out, out of college, there was four of us who wanted to be youth pastor. Mm-hmm. There was I mean, we were fighting for it. I mean, it was we were all best friends, but we were fighting like I'm gonna <laughs> get it, you're gonna get it, blah, blah. And but now I look and go, is there anybody wanting to be me anymore? Yeah. Is there anybody going, Felix, I'm going to be the next youth pastor. Jess, I'm going to be the next children's church. Like, why are people not banging down our door? Yeah. And I want to be, and I mean, this year has been a very um, year for me opening my heart and saying, Lord, search me. Mm-hmm. Where's where's the stuff in me that needs to be fixed? Because I said this to Jess not too long ago. I said, I want to be the leader that I don't have to go to people and go, hey, I'm going to teach you something. I want it to be the opposite. I want people to bang down my door and go, hey, teach me something. 
but yet I need to be that person to where I'm approachable and to where they see it. And so I'm really looking at that going, okay, am I putting the things into the members in that they can go and disciple people? Hmm. So I'm not trying to make this all harsh and stuff, but like these are some real convictions that I know most of us on staff share. Yeah. That are we doing what God's called us to do? Yeah. As a church. Hmm. And how do you do that when we're growing? Yeah. Because that's what went, where my mind went when you were talking about your your um, experiences, is that we were a lot smaller church. Than, right. We were right? like 230 members. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, there was, I don't know, it was just a lot closer. Of course, then you didn't have... You know the internet as much and and all the media. I don't I don't know how that plays into right. it, but because um, I think some people are connected like by YouTube to some big name minister, yeah, out there somewhere, and they may aspire to be that, right? Not, you know what I'm saying? Because no, they have real. so much exposure to that, yeah, that um, they don't relate as well to a Jody Lafleur, you know, who's not mm-hmm. a whoever. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know. No, that, no, that is, that is good. Um, but that's knowing how we are and where this is all coming from was I had some people stop me in the car, like in the lobby, I'll just tell them. And they, um, they're like, Hey, great message you preached last week. Do you remember any of the points? No, but it was good. And you're like, <laughs> gosh. And then one person's like, Hey, I remember the Josh story. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. You yeah. know? Um, I remember ministering to the Lord, and mm. then I want to say, but have you done it? Right. It's like last night, Brecken, I mean, this morning was, whew, I have a teenager, so thank you. <laughs> Come on, Pastor Felix. But um, he said that he did his Spanish homework. Mm. Well, this morning, we found out he didn't do his Spanish homework. So who was in the wrong? Hmm. Was it him lying? Well, yeah, lying's always wrong. But as his pastor, his dad, mm-hmm. should I have said, hey, pull it out, Let's let, let me see it, and do discipleship, do we go, you should just get it. And mm-hmm. then the next day, is like, hey, I didn't do what I told you to, so how can we let people be them and be free, but yet, are they doing what you... Because this week, I mean, dude, you had one of the most powerful messages I've heard you preach in a long time, like, not counting, discounting all your other ones. Sometimes I feel like my compliments are backhanded, but um, <laughs> but I've known you for a long time. <laughs> but it's no, okay. that you were passionate. It was good. But are people applying it? Yeah, yeah. That's always the question, and that's yeah. why I love small groups because you could actually echo it. Yeah, and go, hey, how are you going to apply what Pastor Jody said this morning? Yeah. that's what I loved about small groups. And but how do we do that in a church our size without having it structured? Yeah. Without, you know, that's that's where we're at. Well, you know, um, I was about to say, uh, you know, I, I do a, a fair amount of counseling, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably what I... I didn't think I would like counseling, but I think the reason I like counseling is because you can actually get down there and figure out what people are really wrestling yeah. with. You can mm. gauge their spiritual right. maturity, know if you're making, you know, because if somebody comes in for counseling, they've been attending victory for five years and they have, they can't recite John three sixteen. you know, it's like, okay, yeah, we're failing at something. But I do think we have a staff that is accessible, like whether it's coming to me right. for counseling. I had a mom call me last night about a situation with their with their child, you know, just trying to make some decisions about... Was it should, my wife? Yeah, yeah it was Taylor. <laughs> you know, and uh, now this is a personal friend who I've known forever and has my phone number. So I think 
we do have a, a the heart of this staff here is we're accessible. Yeah. If you need counseling, please don't call me, everybody. You know, but but <laughs> I mean, we phone know, number's gonna be a lower third right here. We know that a lot of people call Lori and right. so and Kayla and so yeah. I mean, we know that our staff is accessible, and I think that's helped us disciple because we're not just like on a stage, yeah. then in a green room and in a car leaving. You know, so I think we have been able to accomplish some a different level of discipleship because we're accessible. But you and I were talking yesterday. The problem is we cannot, the amount of people we have now, my phone would be ringing yours, right. Lori's, Kayla's, or it'd be ringing nonstop, you know? And so what I think the key to where we're heading is that next level right. of people taking responsibility going, you don't have to have Jody's phone number, but do you have somebody's phone number right. in the church? Somebody who's ahead of you in the spiritual yeah. walk, and somebody who will give you the time mm-hmm. to pray with you, show you how to read your Bible, right? Do those things, you know. I, I and I, I think that's something lacking in the body of Christ. We've kind of delegated all that to the paid people, like your yeah. staff. So that's your job; it's not my job, right? But I mean, we know what Jesus did was He took twelve people, poured into them, then sent those twelve people yeah. out to pour into other people. Yeah. And it's got to be. Yeah. That that's how it works. And um, please understand, we're not complaining. Right. This is not us going, oh, woe is us. Sure. This is going, we want to be good stewards. And this is the challenges that come with the next levels right. as, as you grow. And you there's know? a there's a scripture that all of us know on staff, because I think I've said it a hundred million times, because your dad said it to us a hundred million times, which is when Jesus prayed his prayer in John chapter you know, 15 through 17, the ones that you gave me, right. I have kept except one, which yeah. was Judas. And so that just shows, like, God sends people here. He, Absolutely. He, so the ones that we have, the flock, Proverbs, um, uh, a shepherd knows the state of his flock, and mm-hmm. going, are, do we know the state of our flock? And We, we don't can't even go, know our flock. That, you know, yeah. At some point, you, you can't even know everybody. And I can't go, God, sorry you sent me those people. It's like putting the blame back on him and going, okay, how can we grow? And I, th- I know you're spot on. It's the next level. So I guess what I am... I don't want to use the word begging, but begging for is where is David's mighty men? Yeah. To step up and go, we got like we are here. You know what I was thinking of when you were telling your story about discipleship earlier is that there was a time in Laurie and I's life where we opened up our home for you guys to meet in. Yeah. Y'all were y'all were the college age mm-hmm. small group. Nobody had a house, right? right? And so we just said, you know what? We're gonna open up our home. Right. So what is it, Sunday nights or whatever? Nights. Every Sunday night, we yeah. would just say, y'all come. Right. And all we did was make the Kool-Aid, and I guess Kool-Aid's not the right. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Jones. Yeah, oh, yeah. Don't say, but don't say all that. we did was make a place, and we had kids. I mean, they were, like, yeah. getting ready for, you know, they had school the next day and everything. So we're like, hey, y'all hold it down because yeah. Garrett's gotten just yeah. crazy have to get to sleep. I you remember know? the bunk beds in the boys' room because oh, yeah. they used to jump off of them and yeah. wrestle. Yeah, I remember that. But you know what? I was just thinking how beautiful that was because my kids, kids loved being with y'all. I mean, right. y'all made such an imprint on my kids. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, little boys and little girls, you look at a, at a, somebody 10 years older than you and right. you're just like so captured with them. And when y'all loved on my kids and then y'all were modeling going after God in right. front of my kids and stuff, that was yeah. just such a beautiful, so it cost Laurie and I toilet paper and, you know, Doritos or whatever it yeah. cost us. But 
it was just beautiful. I yeah. think we were giving y'all a space, and then I was we were there to kind of speak into what we needed to. Right. But y'all were kind of doing your own thing. I don't even remember y'all being in the meetings. Yeah, a lot. Well, a lot of times I was going. A lot of times Laurie would stay there because that's when I was small group pastor. That's right. And so you I would go, go visit. visit different yeah. small groups. Okay, so I may right. be gone, and Laurie and the kids are at the house, and then I'd come in, and y'all were still there. I mean, there was yeah. times I drove up, the house is blacked out. I yeah. mean, I drive, get out worship. the car, and there's no lights on in the yeah. house, and the worship music's just roaring out of the place. Yeah. And you walk in, and there's kids on their face, and yeah. it was beautiful. Um, but I guess the reason I'm telling this story is because there may be a, somebody out there who's going, I, I don't, I'm not a theologian. Well, open your house or right. do something. You know, yeah. I mean, just anyway. I, th- I thought that was a beautiful. Yeah, that that had such an impact. Like we all share in that group. We all have pictures from those times, and so mm-hmm. we share those pictures and. That was a huge moment in in the, I mean, the Solvay assistant softball coach was part of that. Mm, yeah, and you know, there's just when you look back and going, wow, there's a chiropractor who's there, there's a construction guy who's there, there's yeah. me who's there, yeah. and, and other business people. When you look at the impact that that group had, mm-hmm. you're like, and you did create space for it, and yeah. even even your um, in laws, yeah. We would do worship nights at Papa D's house, mm-hmm. and if you remember, that house was yeah. on pillars. Yeah, and whenever you stomp, <laughs> boom, boom, yeah. and I remember Papa D had to work. Yeah, and finally, about midnight, he came out. And he's like, "Hey, I love Jesus, but y'all gotta go." But again, that was yeah. that was people opening up their homes to us, and so I don't know. That's a that's a big thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of an easy one, but I, but I think that could even be. Um, you know, titled or labeled discipleship. I'm just we just right. gave space, and so maybe there's people out there who just have a heart to give space, for, right, for things to open but up. Not only did you give space, but it wasn't a pastor who started that group. Yeah, it was me and Trey. Mm-hmm. Trey came to me. I'll never forget. Trey came to me. He said, "Hey, let's go talk to Rick about doing a small group." And we're like, "Okay, we haven't done one in years, but yeah, sure." So we went, and I said, "Trey, you're going to have to take the lead." And Trey, he took the lead, yeah. and he was. He was working. Mm-hmm. He was getting married. Like it was a real deal work for him, but yet he did it. And so it wasn't y'all. Yeah. It was a, I, I hate to say this because it's not like lower leader, but it wasn't a paid staff member. Yeah. And so that's what I'm looking for is going, who are those people? Yeah. Who are those people that's going to step up and go? The things I, and again, I remember when your dad said this in the staff meeting. And we've repeated it, but it came from, I remember it came from him, and he said, the most elementary thing that you know about Jesus could change somebody's life. Absolutely. That was a paradigm shift in me, going, gosh, why do I put myself down like I don't know this? And because now with apologetics getting so big and theology and now TikTok, there's theology over TikTok, which is crazy because you don't even know if that's true. No. But sometimes I'm even intimidated to start having a conversation. It's like, well, do you really know how that started, and you're like, Ugh, do you know the Hebrew word? And it's like, no, but I know Jesus, and I don't. So that's, I don't want that to put fear in people. It's just like take what take what you know and teach others. Yeah, it's that simple. Yeah, and it, yes, that's it. But I I do think because I'm thinking of there's faces coming to mind while you're talking, and I'm like, why isn't that person doing something? But right. and then, I mean, I hate to say this, but it's like they don't want to. Or they want to, but they think, well, if I do that, I won't be able to X, Y, Z, we're busy, we're, you know, whatever. And so nobody wants to commit to those kind of things. And uh, it's unfortunate because I believe it's 
hurting the body of Christ. I was just thinking it was a small group, but um, uh, my mom used to have that class for single mothers. God, oh, that, that was, changed people's life. That was one of the most fruitful things I've ever seen my mom do. Yeah. She took just a group of single mothers and like she'd have them come over and teach them how to iron yeah and teach them how to cook and teach them how to organize uh, organize yeah. and all those little things which that doesn't sound spiritual at all but what you have is a woman of God who's full of the word of God then in the middle of that teaching right the word comes out and they're praying for their you know future husbands and they're praying over their children and they're doing things together I know I've talked to people who that that one little thing made such a how many years impact. ago was that 15. It's been a minute, yeah. 15, 18 years ago, we were teaching a communication class that we sometimes teach here, um, teach people how to communicate. And one of the people in the class, her first speech that she gave was about that class. Really? And I was like, what? And her whole thing was like, that changed my life. Wow. Again, it wasn't going over the lexicon of Hebrew and Greek and, um, you know, Aramaic. But it was a simple thing about teaching a mom. And yeah. you're like, gosh, why do we overcomplicate this so much? And I, I try to, in my mind, um, I can get very complex and complicated and see too many holes and too many structures. My Where I have to go back to is what Elijah did with Elisha, which mm-hmm. is, I think, God, I don't want to get so deep and spiritual, but I, hopefully I, you see where I'm going with this. It wasn't Elijah's good looks that got Elisha to follow him. So, again, I'm going to pretend no one knows the story. So, Elijah, prophet, I mean, cool story. If Go back and read all about him. But he passed a, a guy named Elisha, and he just put the mantle, which represent the power, the anointing, and yeah. let him fill it. Yeah. And then he goes, if you want to come, come. Yeah. He just threw his cloak on him and just kept walking. That's it. And Elisha's like, well, what was that? What was that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, and then he then he followed him. And, and I maybe agree. that's it. Maybe maybe people don't see. And what Paul said, we didn't come to you with persuasive speech. We came mm-hmm. with power. Right. And so maybe we have lost that. What we have is re, uh, resurrecting power in our life. Yeah. And we don't represent that enough. And so people are like, well, that's just a cool country club to go to. That's just. Is that really going to change my life? It's like if you only knew the power of God, yeah. that could change your life. Yeah. And so again, not to get oh so spiritual, but I I believe that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. It's whenever when miracles stop happening, you have to start making excuses for God. Mm. And well, I, I feel like we're not us, but the church in general, because I told you a, a pretty horrifying statistic yesterday, and I keep I think about that a lot. I mean, we preached on it before. National average of church attendance is 48% of Americans go to church. First time ever, it's dip below. It used to be 75% for the longest time, 80%. Um, after World War II, it was like 95%. Now they're saying it's going to be less than 45%. they are thinking 42% this year, at the end of this year, that the pandemic had that big an effect. Yeah. And going, oh, man, what are we doing? Well, you know, I mean, I'm just trying to stay on track with – this our subjects and stuff and i think what we're saying is we're a discipleship church yeah and in order to accomplish that as we grow there's going to have to be some new things happen i think what we've identified is we need people you know beyond paid staff positions beginning to understand that they have something to contribute they need to begin teaching others right have another one of my mom's small group single mother things or whatever it is, I don't know, but people just, ordinary Christians 
need to say there's one person I can pour into, you know, or whatever, right. and just begin to replicate themselves and others. So that's something practically, something that we can control. Yeah. I mean, you and I can't, but we can use our influence and and pray that we God can grow would, ourselves, right? That and, and that could can like help with that. Yeah, and we can use the uh, the ability to stand up and speak to people mm-hmm. and encourage them to begin to take right. that. But I think what you were saying last there is, um, you know, people don't change uh, unless a couple radical things happen, right? Yeah, um, like. Like where the church is now, people are again. They're so busy. It's kind of consumer driven. Right. Uh, people don't want to take responsibility. You know, whatever. All all those things that are going on, and we in ministry look and we see it, but we just don't know how to address it. You right. know, I mean, do you shame people for being busy? Do you tell <laughs> that them that always works? Right. You tell them to quit their hobbies and take yeah. their kids out of the sports right. and do all that. I mean, right. we, we've tried all that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Don't say we. You you tried that, <laughs> and it never works. But uh, and I don't want to go far on this because I don't I don't know enough about it. But I think, you know, all that we're trying to accomplish, God can accomplish in revival. Oh, absolutely. You know, and we're hearing that stuff in Kentucky. And again, I don't know much about it. Right. I've just I've, I've recently in the last forty eight hours heard about it. I'm not on social media and all that kind of stuff, so stuff gets to me slow. <laughs> for a, a, a carrier pigeon has to come, you know, land from Kentucky yeah. to my world to get it to me. But um, you know, there's a lot of people been believing for revival, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm not a revival chaser, right? You know, uh, because I've I've seen the good and the bad of all that, and, I, and sometimes it turns into emotionalism or yeah. whatever at all. You know, so I'm more of a get up. You know, put one foot in front of another, learn how to know God, love God, walk with God. But revival sweeps in and just the motivation, just people's motivation grows because the power of God is there. So it could be in God's timeline that revival hits. And and maybe even in our expectation series we're doing right now, we're preparing people for revival. Like, don't go put put God in a box. You know, he can do what he wants to do. And so it could be the winds of revival are going to come accomplish in a month right. what we as a church staff have been wrestling with for a year. Yeah. You know, he could do it. He could change it overnight. So that may be it. And I hope people hear we're not just talking about church attendance. Yeah, because church attendance fine. We're not talking not about church attendance. Yeah. We're talking about people who are committed to the cause of doing what the Great Commission says. People who really know the Lord and right. are, and, and their walk with God is... Is affecting their families, and it and it eventually f- affects society. And then, not only do they grow up personally, they help somebody else grow up. Right. So, a revival could be one of those things that changes everything. Yeah. Another thing that changes things quickly is hard times. Yeah. You absolutely. Know? Um, Ain't nothing like changing your habits like a hard time. Yeah, because when it comes down to just whether I'm going to change or not, I tell people pain is a great motivator. Yeah. I mean, pain just, sh- and but even a member of nine eleven, yeah, how that changed. I mean, we don't want another nine eleven, yeah. But that all of a sudden, people caught yeah. another gear, or I guess kind of revisited those old habits, right? In the wake of nine eleven, and um, right now, interest rates and you know everything's going crazy, inflation, all those right. things. I don't know where that's headed, and I'm not yeah. trying to predict, but it could be that. America's had it really easy for a long time, and it may not be easy always, yeah. you know. And uh, but 
persecution and pain has always been good for the church. It's thrived in it. And so maybe maybe that's heading that way. Yeah. I don't know. We're not asking for that. No, no, I don't but, want that. Right, but we're prepared. And so I think I think to conclude this whole thing is going, we have some challenges as a church. Yeah. We have physical, but we're taking care of that. There's some some discipleship challenges that we have. Yeah. And we want to steward the people, the flock well. And so we... I hate to go, we need you, but we do. Actually, we don't. God's called you. Like, yeah. it's not Jody going, hey, come help me do this. It's like, we all, that's the thing. I believe the Great Commission, it's not a corporate calling. It is, but it's an individual calling. Go mm-hmm. into the world and make disciples. That wasn't given to a church, it was given to individuals. Go yeah. into the world and make disciples. It's not Victory Worship Center's job to go into the world and make disciples because we're a physical location. Yeah. And I'll never forget whenever we said that the biggest asset we have is when 800 people, 850 people leave here on Sunday morning and take the gospel to their workplace, Absolutely. to their home life. Yeah. That's that's revival to me. Yeah. When people are living out, you said it in the men's thing, I said it. I'm actually teaching the LCA leadership class on I'm your brain is a computer. So mm. Your computer cannot do, like if I told you right now to go on your computer and edit a video, could your computer do it? No, because it doesn't have the right software. Mm. So it doesn't have in there what it needs to do the job. So you got to put the right things in if you want the output to be something. Yeah. You can't give what you don't have. Right. So our, I think our conclusion is we have to keep growing. Absolutely. We have to keep being discipled ourselves and yeah. growing and listening and hearing by the Word of God. I mean, all those things. But also now it's time for us to start looking at discipling other people. When I look at our church body, I think fifty percent of them, maybe maybe more than that, maybe maybe sixty percent of them need growth. Mm. The other forty percent, I'm like, if you haven't grown by now, <laughs> right? I mean, they've heard every sermon, they've right. done everything. So it's time for you to not focus on your growing anymore. It's time for you to focus on growing somebody else. Yeah, you know. So I think if we can keep in our Sunday morning services teaching people the Word of God and doing yeah. that. But at some point, we've got to roll in. Okay, this isn't just about me becoming more mature as a believer. I got to help somebody else. Got a cool story, real quick, and I'll tell right. you. I don't know how we're getting kind of long, but I was talking to somebody yesterday who um, spent the weekend on a um, on a little father son uh, ministry thing. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Somebody put together this weekend where right. dads could bring their sons and. I think they shot guns yeah. and, and bows. Well, campfire and, yeah, just yeah. did all that thing. And uh, I was asking how it went. He said, oh, it was cool. You know, it's 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 new, and so it's just, just catching traction. He said, uh, but I met somebody who, uh, he said, I was talking to this guy, and I finally, you know, after I met him and we had a couple of times to visit, he asked me where I went to church, and I told him. And, uh, and the guy said, Larry LaFleur is the reason I'm here today. He wow. Said, and he's like, wait, what? And he said, Larry LaFleur led my parents to the Lord in Panama City, Florida. Wow. That was years ago. <clears throat> right? That was like 40 years ago. I, that's where I was born. That's yeah. 50. It's Good probably Lord. been 50 years since they You're lived old. there. Right? <laughs> and this guy's like, wait, wait, what? You know, because they're in, I don't know, they're somewhere in Louisiana. Right. And and uh, so anyway, so when this guy's telling me a story, I'm like, I immediately know who it is. So it's this couple, it's this young lady who my parents took in when they lived in Panama City, Florida. 
they led her to the Lord. They were doing a coffee shop ministry, right? right? Mm -hmm. So she was saved, and then this other guy came in and got saved. Well, they ended up getting married. This couple now, they pastor a church in Nashville, in the suburbs of Nashville, Tennessee. They had kids, so their son, he's he's a part of a church in Kinder, right? In ministry right now. He's an elder in that church. And he bumps into this friend of mine. And, you know, so again, weird connection. But legacy. As far as, yeah. It's legacy. But I'm like, boom, that's it. That's yeah. what yeah. That that's what this thing should look like, right? Yeah. Is that you can say, you can reach back to a person yeah. and say, that person helped me or that person yeah. was an asset. Um, so anyway. If that doesn't motivate you to yeah. actually go and do what the Lord called us to do and yeah. minister to people, because you never know, you buying a cup of coffee for somebody. Yeah could change that person's legacy forever. And I tell you what, I promise you, if you ask my dad, who's preached thousands and thousands of times, I guarantee you that story will excite him more than every sermon he's ever preached, right? It's that, no, this is tangible. There's a person here looking at me saying, my yes to God changed their family line. Yeah, that's cool. Well, we hope that you got something out of this. Out and, of this um, rambling. This though. rambling, but <laughs> I think it's good every now and then for us to open up the closet. Yeah. I mean, you said it in the men's class, open up the closet and let right. people see what, this is what's in there. This is what we talk about. This is what our staff prays about. This is it, because we know that we're a discipleship church, and we want to be everything God's called us to be. So hope that motivates you. All right. See good. you in the next one. Yep.